You ready, Nick? I'm ready. All right. Jackson keeps it again, trying to stretch to the edge. What a hurdle by Jackson! Highlight reel touchdown! Lamar Jackson does it again! ASU bringing pressure. Mahomes throwing, it's picked off, and Gump Hayes inside the five! Allen on the ground, trying and pushed through for the win! Rush stepping up. Throwing to crawl, catches the lateral. Here comes Willis, Willis racing to the end zone! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Central Michigan does it! Just another way to survive. Welcome to Comebacks Podcast, Episode 5. We are currently without a guest this week, so you can expect a little bit more trimmed down or a little bit more on-point episode from us. It's just the boys. Just the boys. And boy, do we got something to talk about this week. We had a heck of a weekend of NFL football and some great college football matchups as well. Um, uh, to review our college football week two recap pickems, I am currently in the lead at 15-4. and four. I was 9-1 and one this weekend. Bolf is second at 14-5. and five. Uh, He was 6-4 and four this weekend. Do and I sense some passive-aggressive bragging? Uh, nah, I don't I, don't I sense some so. passive-aggressive bragging. It might have been like a slight humble brag, but... Yeah, and, and Dev is is lagging in third at 10-9. and nine. Uh, He hey, finished man. the weekend at 500. I went for some like, some big, like, big-time right hooks... Hey. Last week with some like, incre- like incred- incredibly probably stupid picks, but you know. Well, uh, I would like to throw out a shout out to my pick of Arkansas over TCU. I uh, I saw that one coming a mile away. I uh, li- I stepped on the three point line and shot that baby. It was easy. It wasn't like it was a blowout though. I mean, you could have seen it, but it, shit could have gone either way. It could it could have gone either way, but you didn't pick it. More on that later. I think we should start off with the uh, the f- like first one of our like recap. We're gonna be covering Pitt and Penn State. This one I watched uh, just a little bit of the first quarter, and it went 14-0 Pitt very very quickly. And after that, it turned it turned it away. I figured it was gonna be a blowout in Pitt's favor. Pitt was just completely pounding the ball against Penn State, but it actually turns out that it was a close game. Pitt came out on top, 42-39. Um, the big thing for me was James Conner, the man of the week. They keep talking about him. He had cancer, ran through that, ran through the Penn State defensive line. Uh, 22 carries, 117 yards with a touchdown with the uh, long run of 24 yards. Um, is there anything that you guys really noticed about Pitt? That what's, what's different about this team compared to most Pitt teams? They seem more dominant, more just pound it, pound it, pound it. It doesn't, I don't know. I think it was the savage signs their entire student <laughs> body had uh, for Penn State uh, against Joe Paterno. Obviously, some new allegations uh, resurfacing there. But this team just looks a little bit more confident. I mean, in past Pitt teams, it seemed like there was always one or two guys that were headed for the draft and everybody else kind of lagged behind. Um, I'm not sure who their head coach is, but uh, I, I can't think of his name. But he looked really confident on the sideline. They they looked like a Big Ten team. They they looked like they weren't afraid of Penn State. Like it it seemed to be that they're on, that they they come into a matchup and they're more 
on equal footing. Um, we'll definitely keep an eye on this team uh, in the next week. Uh, big match against Oklahoma State, but th- this team looks looks intriguing. You know, nine and three, eight, eight and four. You know, that, I think they're they're uh, defying some expectations. Another here. interesting fact, um, or more stats. Their quarterback Nathan Peterman. He went 11 for 15, so he only only threw the ball 15 times for 91 yards, but he had three touchdowns and a pick. So uh, Pitt running some very, very efficient offense. Uh, Penn State had some trouble stopping it. But uh, that's not to say that they couldn't score either. They threw the ball 35 times and uh, had 332 yards through the air. So I I don't know, man. Penn State looks like it's going to be an actual kind of threat to some of the powerhouses in the Big Ten, it seems like. Uh, I mean, like, Wisconsin's not the only surprise team, I guess, this year, so. Yeah, they're on the rise. Uh, It'll be a couple of years to get back to where they were uh, maybe a decade ago and even earlier than that, but yeah, uh, Penn State definitely, you know, a lot of those Big Ten teams are, you know, took a step back and they're, uh, you know, they're still trying to catch up with Ohio State and Michigan. It's it's a it's a far cry between the two top teams and everybody else in that conference right now. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about. Uh, I thought it was the most exciting uh, game uh, of the weekend for college football, the TCU Arkansas game. Arkansas going into Dallas, uh, taking on TCU, the number fifteen team in the nation at that time, and knocking them off. SEC versus Big Twelve. Um, it goes into double overtime, I believe. Yep, double, double overtime. overtime. And they come out with the win. Um, th- this game, I I just thought was great. Um, Suey taking the early advantage, getting up 13-0. Kenny Hill looked impressive for TCU, but 377 total yards. Yeah, this is definitely the guy that we saw at Texas A&M, who was taking over uh, from Johnny Manziel. And uh, sure. dude has a lot of talent, but Arkansas, something about that team, they were just they were just relaxed and more confident. I think you, I mean, they're kind of just picking up where they left off last season. They finished strong against actually Kansas State in their bowl game, and uh, they just, they've always been a good team. I think they just have part, lacked. Yeah, part of it's being the SEC, but Frank yeah. the Tank able to uh, prevent TCU from really running the ball, which I think is probably the difference in this game. Uh, besides Kenny Hill, the TCU running backs, and like all those guys, they were held to. Pretty much nothing when it comes to yards on the ground. They did end up scoring two touchdowns, Kyle Hicks did, uh, with 49 yards and 11 carries. But other than that, TCU had to throw the ball 56 times to keep this close. So that's not something they're going to be able to get away with, be able to get away with in the Big 12 all the time. They're going to have to figure out a run game. As you saw with Oklahoma State last year, it kind of exposed them. They weren't able to run the ball very well, and uh, they got exposed for it. So TCU is going to have to figure that out. Because there are some good, de- I still believe that Oklahoma, St- oh, not Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's defense is still very, very good. So that's like a team that you're gonna have to figure out how to run the ball on, or they're gonna be just keying on the pass, pinning their ears back, sending blitzes. So yeah, Kenny Hill, a lot of talent, but I mean, like you said, 56 times is a lot. It and is. you know, if you're any college quarterback, 56 times is you're gonna make a mistake and have a few bad throws. Um, shout out to um, the uh, uh, Arkansas quarterback Allen. Um, Austin Allen. Austin Allen finding uh, several wide receivers. His tight end, Drew Morgan, seven catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that guy looks like a future NFL starting tight end that I want on my fantasy team. That guy is a <laughs> stud. 
and uh, we he torched the Cats in the bowl game last year. But oh, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, and um, what did you guys think about that block uh, blocked field goal at the end to force overtime? I thought that was clutch. It was just, it was the it was the best play of the weekend. I thought it it was incredible. It was one of the best plays of the weekend in my opinion. But to be completely honest, I didn't watch like a whole lot. Pretty angry about a certain ending that we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, I do want to move on to the next game. Uh, college basketball apparently started early. Early, yeah. Uh, Arizona State and Texas Tech facing off. Final score 68 to 55. Arizona State on top. Um, this is a lot like the Texas Tech team we saw last year that said screw playing defense. We're super, just going to house. Yeah. Super explosive. We're just going to outscore you, but uh, it didn't work. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't think ASU had the firepower. You That's, did I. I mean... To p- almost put up 70 points in a close game. That Bellage with the eight, uh, eight all-purpose touchdowns was insane. I think yeah. he tied the NCAA record. Um, that guy took snaps. As a running back. Like, yeah. I mean, pull me if I, or change me if I'm wrong, but isn't eight the record set first week with... Yes, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson? Yeah, That's crazy. Just, he like, didn't even have like a whole lot of yards too. He had 13 carries for 137 yards. But uh, that's just like that's insane. He I was mean, he was taking snaps, direct snaps near the red zone. Uh, they were tar- you know he was a he's a big guy, and you know they were targeting him in the passing game. The, this guy, after they were able to march down the field with a couple of passing plays, it seemed like every time they were looking for him uh, in the red zone. But if you're Cliff Kingsbury, I I've been a Cliff Kingsbury fan since he got to Texas Tech, and. He, you know, he's had a lot of the haters saying that, you know, he needs to employ more defense. Um, he really needs to employ some defense here. Like, you can't... They, ASU beat him at his own game. And ASU's not a team that's... Like, they're, they came out of nowhere with this. They're not supposed to be doing this. Nobody knows anything about Arizona State, to be completely honest. Exactly. But. And how much NFL talent does Baylor have? How much NFL talent does TCU have? Or Oklahoma? Or yeah. OSU? It's... Like, if you're giving teams in your conference a blueprint on how to beat you in a non-conference game where I felt like this should you should have really focused a little bit more on your defense instead of uh, what how many streaks can Pat Mahomes throw and again in one game and again I'm gonna call this out only 72 yards on the ground it's been kind of a trend just this week and just like the two games that we're talking about with big 12 teams you've you got to be able to run the ball with these high-powered offenses not only to really help your quarterbacks out, but you also, to look, control the game a little bit, mm-hmm. you got to be able to control the ball. That's what Bill Snyder and Kansas State's so good at doing. They they maybe can't throw the best, but they're yeah. going to run so much clock off that it doesn't really matter. Well, I think it's like, I think it's just crazy to like look at their numbers and not under, I mean, for me, I think, well, all teams have aspirations of winning their division, their conference, their whatever, but I mean, for Texas Tech that has such the ability, such so much firepower... I think, I mean, they were really looking at a chance to throw off the Sooners if they were to get that far, or throw off the Cowboys. But if you, I mean, I think that just, like Nick was explaining, I think, I mean, you got to play defense. It's a, you can put up as many points as you want, and they did, but they couldn't hold ASU to less than 55, and I mean, that's a big downfall. As an offensive coordinator in college football, I'm happy with a double nickel every week. 55 points should... Yeah, that's crazy. 55 gotta, points should no doubt when you win your game, yeah. Especially versus... in. I mean, not that ASU is unproven or they play in a terrible conference. Not that the Pac-12 is good, but they shouldn't be putting up 55. Yeah. Or 68, Jesus. 
I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that Devin mentioned the, the time, the, the running game and the clock management. I mean, when you run the ball, it's a significant loss of not only possession, but of precious time. And the, the least amount of time that's on the clock, you lose possessions. Two-minute warnings, cl- uh, quarters ending, halftime. You know, there are precious possessions lost. Championship teams don't play whoever has ball last wins type of games every week. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's something Texas Tech has really got to figure out if they want to be an actual, legit contender in the Big 12. But moving on, we're going to go to the matchup that actually happened at Bristol Motor Speedway. I think it was one of the coolest venues I've ever seen. It actually worked out pretty well. Uh, Tennessee against Virginia Tech. Tennessee came out on top 45-24. to 24. Uh, Josh Dobbs, only 19 passes and nine, or only completed 10 passes for 91 yards, but did throw TDs and a pick, um, but did have 100 yards rushing on the ground, obviously one of the big differences in this game. Uh, yep. Virginia Tech just didn't look like the Virginia Tech we've really known, which we kind of knew. had, um, who was their coach? Beamer. Yeah. They're kind of in a rebuilding state right now, and we kind of knew that that upset against Ohio State, like what two years ago, was kind of a high point mm-hmm. for this like rebuilding stages they're in right now. But obviously not. Beamer's last game. Didn't they win that one too, or was that the OSU game? No, I no. think it was last year. It was, it was last year, but they did win. I mean, yeah. the bowl game, yeah. The bowl I mean, they're not. Yeah. They're not a bad team, but we knew Tennessee going in was a much a, a much more talented team, and they kind of just got a scare from Appalachian State. So. Um, no surprises here with that game. Moving on, we're going to go to... Wait, wait, can I add one more thing about... Yeah, yeah, So, I'm just going to talk about... You talked about the venue. 159,600, something like that. That's Crazy. the highest, highest number in college football ever. I mean, granted, it's had a motor speedway, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's just a quick little note that has to be touched on. I mean, and something it's I not a college football venue, but yeah. something I didn't know about Bristol Motor Speedway either. It was perfect for this because it's on the bo- like on the border of yep. Virginia and Tennessee. Yeah, so that literally makes like, it really really cool. Yeah, so kind of a cool aspect. But that was a, it was a good game. I mean, or it was like a cool environment for a game that had potential. I mean, Tennessee just outshined them. It, it looked like it was a fun place to watch a college yeah. football game. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't satisfied. I wanted a NASCAR race going on. On uh, outside the same time. Game? Yeah. I, I, I felt that would have heightened the drama a little bit. That would have been just an ultimate America type thing. Exactly. I don't think they could have heard the play calls. Just uh, <laughs> like... Yeah, just every... Moving on to another or another SEC team. Uh, Georgia actually struggling with Nichols, a team I don't even know where, where they're at exactly. Located, but uh, they pull off a victory 26 24. Struggling, um, Nick Chubb 20 carries for 80 yards and only one touchdown. Uh, his Heisman hopes seem to be quickly dwindling with uh, all these performances that he's putting up, and not all of it's his fault, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's really really struggling. And he, he had such high like hype coming into the season, and he's just struggled. New Orleans. They're in New Orleans. They're in Nichols is located in New Orleans, but I don't geez. even think the people in New Orleans know that. <laughs> <laughs> they're dr- they're drunk all the time. Um, yeah, Jacob Easton, the Georgia quarterback, struggling a little bit. Um, I like what you mentioned about that the Heisman candidacy. We'll talk more about the Heisman as the season goes on. But um, uh, just a little side note: a lot of lot of early Heisman struggles. Chubb, Fournette. Could this open up a doorway for Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Possibly. Well, sure. I, Lamar Jackson and company because 
Deshaun Watson's not really having a great start to his year either. Exactly. I feel like there, there could be a, uh, a wide-open invitation if somebody really wants to start uh, proving themselves to get to New York. Um, I'm excited for that conversation about Lamar Jackson. I'm excited about uh, his matchup this next weekend, which we'll talk about in a bit. But a lot of fun Heisman and uh, up-and-coming teams this year, whether it be Louisville-Houston, there's there's some there's some good teams this year. I'm excited. Speaking of Deshaun Watson and his and his struggles, uh, Clemson also. What's the? I'm trying to think of like a be, like the best word for it, but uh, they just they really struggled with Troy. Couldn't put him away. Yeah, uh, they only win thirty to twenty four. Deshaun Watson with two hundred ninety two yards, three touchdowns, but two picks. Um, they threw the ball fifty fifty three times, which yeah, was... probably not something you want to be having to do against Troy. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Kenny Hill earlier. You know, if you're throwing the ball 50 times, 40 times, bad bad things are going to happen eventually. But here's the thing. Even though TCU lost, Kenny Hill put up a 90 QBR. Mm-hmm. For a comparison, Deshaun Watson, 36 and a half. Yeah, that's not that's, good. That's a I great mean, stat right there. You're looking at 50, 50 attempts and 50 attempts. But TCU loses by three. And Clemson loses or wins actually, but I mean these are two different ball games. Blah, lesser blah. opponent though. But you can't. I mean Deshaun Watson twenty-seven completes, for fifty-three. It completes like is that less than fifty percent or is that that's some I know it's somewhere around fifty percent. It, it's what you're. Yeah, math hard, college education, but uh, fifty. It's a, but that's that's not acceptable, not for a Heisman. No, and really they probable. Besides least. Watson's fifty-five yards again, I've been talking all about rushing like the rushing attack to or tonight and. You know, 122 yards on the ground, but 55 of those come from your quarterback. You gotta, you have to find some different offense besides these quarter. These quarterbacks are not your just end all be all, one weapon to kind of lead you to championships. There's just it, it just doesn't work like that. You gotta find some other people to make plays, and Deshaun Watson's not the answer. It's almost like college football is trying to imitate the NFL in a way, and they're finding out that these kids. Uh, who have just had a giant playbook thrown at him from high school, uh, quite can't handle the pressure, possibly. Um, we saw this with Alabama. You know, one of the reasons that Alabama has had such great success in the passing game is because they are a run-first team. You look at guys like Julio Jones and, um, you know, the various wide receivers out there, O.J. Howard, their excellent tight end, who had, like, 200 receiving yards in the national championship game last year. He had that game because uh, the opponent was so afraid that they were going to run the ball. You know, it, Passing is super effective, just as Baylor or TCU last year, but you've got to establish the run game. And if you don't establish a run game, that leaves the opponents to send confusing stunts and zone blitzes and all these things that are designed to confuse the quarterback and force them to make mistakes, and you can just avoid those mistakes by establishing a run game. You don't even have to actually really run the ball well, but if you establish it, and make like keep them honest to where they're like, oh well, I mean we can't just completely throw out the fact that they're gonna not run the ball because they could still run it for four yards every time. Let it's, me ask you guys like an opinionated question. So we're talking about rushing Deshaun Watson. Do you think national final national championship teams should have their QB being their leading rusher? Is that the secret to a, a successful no, team? It's not. Uh, uh, they, I mean, I don't. Maybe I don't a game. So. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe but. a game here and there, but not against Troy. Yeah, not. I, I feel like they do that against Florida State. State they lose they by lose. they lose by yeah. at least twenty. I don't know. That defense just, is talented. I agree. I just um, I don't think you can have your QB being your most decisive playmaker and your top ball carrier. I mean, yeah, it's 
Another thing that Clemson's got to fix, uh, Dabo Swinney definitely got something something to uh, improve on there. Moving on to our last game, uh, the game that really, really stung for me. Uh, Central Michigan comes out on top against Oklahoma State 30-27. to Now there's a lot of controversy surrounding the ending of this game, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, as an Oklahoma State fan, I do want to say that I believe 100% that this is the team's fault. Uh, yes, the refs did really, really screw it up at the end, but they shouldn't have been in the position in the first place. They didn't play a great game. They played good enough to win, and they it was just poor, poor clock management at the end. I don't know if you guys actually watched, but we watched had the ball. It. I watched it. Had the ball first down. Central Michigan had like one timeout left, and rather than trying to run for a first down, uh, we kind of tried to kneel and just completely bleed out the clock. Like There was one kneel where we snapped it, because we don't go under center ever. So it was like a pistol, and he just they snapped it, and then Mason Rudolph just kind of ran around until somebody got close, and then he fell. Yeah. But uh, all that led up to like a fourth down with five seconds left to go on the clock. It was like fourth and I don't even remember how much it was, like fourth and 15 or something like that. They decided I mean, to throw it up in the air like as far as possible down the field. There were so many different options. I there mean, really was. You, uh, you just scratch a few seconds off by running it, or you do the exact same thing you did on third down. I mean, you run yeah, it. It's, you run around for a few seconds, and you turn it over on downs with one second left. Maybe they get another play, but here, here's, they shouldn't, Central Michigan shouldn't have had another play yeah. in general. But here's uh, where I get probably the most angry with the uh, kind of the coaching decisions and the, like the play call decisions is uh, rather than you know even send out a guy on a route where you're throwing the ball. It was clearly intentional grounding. Like, there was no doubt about that. I um, didn't know you they, you could throw it out of bounds because it ended up out of bounds, right? Yes, but he did not leave the tackle box. There oh, was, okay, that makes sense. He yeah. didn't even attempt to do that, so that was part of the problem. But if you would do that, normally you would send a receiver on a route. Yeah, they didn't send he, anybody. There was no one even close. But something that they've done in past years, uh, I remember back in 2011-2012 when Oklahoma State almost had that run to the national championship game. They were playing Texas A&M with Ryan Tannehill, and they were up probably like four or three with uh, kind of the same situation, like a fourth and long or something like that. They kind of screwed up the clock management, but they had Justin Blackman, so they just put him in Wildcat, snapped it to Justin Blackman. Justin Blackman just kind of runs backwards for 50 yards, takes a safety, game over. Oklahoma State wins. Why Why not even do that? Uh, that's just something I don't understand. So, um, uh, CMU looked like a... Looked like a Power 5 team. They, they really did, yeah. and that's something I don't want to take away from them. They played a really, really good ball game. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State did not have an answer on defense for them. Uh, their quarterback, 30 for 42 with 361 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Yeah, Rush Rush looked like a pro. I'm not going to lie. That guy, uh, NFL material, I, I think. He, uh, his, his one particular back shoulder throw to the end zone that was a spectacular catch um, was insane. And... That, that coach got him to play competitively. They had a good thing about him on during the game about how he had beaten cancer the year before. He was a uh, CMU alum and player there, and that was his dream job, his second year there. Got him to a bowl last year. Um, it's obvious that he has really motivated that team. And they gave OSU a run for their money, and in the end, should have OSU won that game? Yeah. Uh, coaching decisions are huge. And I'm not going to lie, uh... You know that's a big part. You know you play Madden or you play some. You know you play a, a sports video game and you know you know how to manage the clock. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's not like Cooper Rush had all day to throw either. I don't know if you noticed, but this kid, this kid's tough as nails. He was getting 
and he was getting hit almost every single time he dropped back early in the game. So he would stand in there, stand in the pocket, know he was getting hit, still deliver a perfect throw. It was, it was he was a really fun quarterback to watch, and I would have probably enjoyed the game more if I wasn't at, like an OSU fan. But um, uh, also, I did want to mention that uh, Mason Rudolph did really really struggle. He seemed to be missing a ton of throws that he normally makes. Overthrew James Washington quite a few times. Uh, threw a really really bad fade pass toward the end zone. Uh, they ended up getting that right back, but just struggles in general. Uh, a lot of talk has been going into uh, the committee, like the playoff committee, and how they're going to judge sort of this loss for Oklahoma State. If they do end up making a run, it's pretty unlikely at this point. Uh, I think I've seen enough. But uh, if they do make a run, do you think that they put the fact that they should have won, they shouldn't have gotten that last play into consideration? I think that depends on how uh, CMU ends up. If they end up 10-2, and two, win their conference, end up in a good bowl game themselves, and OSU is able to run the table of the conference, I think they can still get in. Um, I think it's more about how the opponent plays afterwards. And also, this was a non-conference game, and I understand that the, the committee is going to be taking a lot of stock in that. Obviously, we're seeing more... We're seeing better non-conference games every year. Uh, certain conferences having a place you have to play a, a Power 5 team now is great for us fans. Um, I think OSU has a chance if they run the table. I really do. But they need to They need to run the absolute desert of hell yeah. that is the Big 12. They, they can't play like this again. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, didn't look good on offense. Struggled with their run game. Problem they had last year. That's why they didn't didn't win the big games last year and again I'm repeating myself over and over again but it's it's the run game it's the it's all college football's turned into all these all of this throwing 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 up tempo throw the ball sling it everywhere onto the field but still the run game is probably one of the most important parts of this game so um does that does that do it for our college football talk? Do we want to move on to some NFL? Uh, oh, we got some rankings to do. Oh, we do got rankings. I did almost forget about that. We got a new top twenty-five. Obviously, I do want to ask you one question, Devin. If if OSU's record ends up around seven and five, uh, eight and four, I think is all right, but seven and five territory, maybe even six and six, does Gundy's seat begin to heat up? Uh maybe just a little bit. He's he's done such a good job over the past years. He's. You know, he's kind of done it the like the typical way where you've got a few good years, then a few bad years, but in those bad years, they still usually make some kind of bowl. It's not a good bowl, but they still kind of find a way to make a bowl. Um, he's kind of gotten gotten them back. He hasn't gotten it to the 2011-2012 team, obviously. That's, that's going to be really, really hard to top. But mm-hmm. A lot of big coaching names possibly coming out this next year. Houston's Tom Herman. Yes. Uh, Alabama's Lane Kiffin. You know, it's starting to get talk about a lot of coordinators around. And I think the the thing with Tom Herman that's going to decide whether or not he's leaving Houston or staying in Houston is whether or not they get in the Big Twelve. I agree. And if we even expand. I agree. I like. So. It. I. I mean, I just quick little Big Twelve expansion. I mean, I no, like. What, is there any, Is there even any updates on that? Because I haven't even been paying attention. I mean, not a ton. It's gonna. The thing is, the Big Twelve is not going anywhere. We have, like, it's. It's still a Power 5 conference. There's still great teams in it, and nothing's going to happen to it. There's nobody that can replace it. Till 2024 with the TV contracts. Well, <laughs> when, the, when that time comes, we'll and see. And then we'll see but all this happening. I think the thing is, if you want to be a great a great conference, you got to have great teams. And if, Lu- if Louisville proves, or Louisville and Houston, actually, 
because I those mean, both seem like very very good candidates right now. Mm-hmm. If both. they can prove they're great teams, and we can find a way to make two divisions in a conference, I don't see why any what reason we can't be a Big Ten caliber conference. I agree. I'm excited for the future. Um, moving on to the rankings. Who wants to? Do you want me to start this off right now? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm gonna go twenty to or twenty-five to twenty. We'll go uh, bottom to top here. We got Miami. I think they stay where they were at last week. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas at number twenty-four, Florida at number twenty-three, Oregon at number twenty-two, Baylor at twenty-one, and LSU at twenty. So nobody really coming from the higher ranks, moving down. All those are kind of up and coming teams. Yeah. The the ones that dropped a lot dropped out. Which yeah. Arkansas cracking the big top twenty five yeah. after TCU. Um, Baylor actually still moving up because they don't they don't look too terrible. No, so they've, they've still got some gas left in that tank before they completely fall off. I think. They're actually going to get a few of those suspended players back. Too, Are they really? I think after their fourth game or something, maybe. A lot of talent on that team. Um, just when big twelve play yeah. starts, can they play like yeah. it? Keep their attitude and quit hitting dogs. <laughs> It's a little rough, but... A little rough? All right, 19 to 15. <laughs> 19 to 15, somebody hit it. I'll go. All right, so Old Miss at 19, 18, Notre Dame, 17, Texas A&M, 16, the Georgia Bulldogs, and 15, the Tennessee Volunteers. Georgia dropping seven ranks from last week. They they didn't look good against Nichols. Um, the, this team is... Freshman quarterback, like I said earlier, uh, I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain Alabama and a lot of SEC teams. Uh, Georgia take, takes the biggest hit of the week at minus seven. I agree with uh, Georgia dropping, but I don't know about seven because uh, I do feel like good football teams do find ways to win even if they're not playing their best. I don't know. So that's it, interesting for me to uh, – I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 14 to 10, Nick. All right, at 14, we got Oklahoma. At 13, we got Iowa. 12, Michigan State. 11, Texas. And 10 is the Louisville Sluggers with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, I like that. Does, Louisville, does the Louisville like back company, do they make hurdles? I, like for track? Let's hope so. I think he could probably hurdle several Louisville Sluggers stacked on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is athletic. He is God, smart. that one touchdown, man, oh. with the hurdle. I'm still not completely sold on them. We're going to find out this week. Yeah. But Exciting football. Biggest mover out of that group uh, is Louisville. Iowa. Is it? Iowa well, or Louisville? Both, both. Yeah. I mean, Iowa. Let's, okay. Let's Iowa, talk about Iowa. Iowa winning 42-3 to three against three. Iowa State. Uh, like, come on. I, I mean, okay, sure, they move up most likely because Georgia comes down. But. I don't know about three ranks. But three over Oklahoma. I mean, is, I don't know. Is Iowa State the worst Big 12 team? Yes. Yes. I have to say yes, too, and that disappoints me more than anything. Anything. I mean, as longtime haters, all-time haters of KU, it's, K- it's, hard to, it's hard to put them above a team. Who does KU play this week? I don't think we, I don't think we planned on talking uh, no, about them. No, I didn't. Them. Give us a second to pull it up. Uh, they, they struggled against an Ohio team that wasn't great. Uh, and there are only really their scores... Their scores were long plays, like you said uh, earlier in the week. We were talking about it, but I feel, yeah, they got they got lucky. And obviously, there's there's more than luck in long scoring plays, but you you need sustained long drives to really show your worth. They play Memphis this week. Oh, right? it's on ESPN. You too. ESPN actually picking up a KU football game. Oh my God! Wow. 
Uh, Memphis, obviously, uh, wanting to be a Big 12 candidate. I believe they weren't invited to the meeting a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, they weren't invited to the party. Yeah, so uh, that'll be interesting um, going forward. We will keep an eye on KU football because it's so bad. Um, I do, I do kind of want them to be a little bit better, though. I want them to be a little better, but it would be awesome if this giant streak they're on of Big 12 losses continued forever. Never. <laughs> Ever. All right, I'm, I'm going to go next with the rankings. We got uh, ranks 9 to 5. Uh, Wisconsin coming in at number 9, Washington at number 8, Stanford at 7, Houston at 6, and Clemson at 5, dropping all the way down from two after that struggle against Troy. I think this um, is the most balanced yes. portion of the of the rankings. I mean I Stanford, agree with Stanford Stan- is Bennett. Well okay. They, they had they had a buy. So. But still. Uh, so I agree completely with Stanford and Washington as of now. I'm okay with Washington being up there. Uh, I just I really want Washington to have a game to prove to us that they're actually this good because they haven't really shown us anything. Everybody's just kinda like hype. I, th- I think the the um, the marquee matchup in when the Big Ten West comes through is going to be that Wisconsin Iowa game. I think it'll prove hopefully something. And Iowa that, actually has to play people yeah, this year. I mean, I think it's it has to prove that either Wisconsin or Iowa are worthy of being the Big Ten champion because nobody's put up a competition against the Big Ten East yet ever. Well, okay, not ever, but in a while. Yeah. I mean, so. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, actually, Iowa's got a really interesting game coming up this week. They're playing NDSU. Uh, FCS game kind of three weeks into the season. North Dakota State, never a team to sleep on. A team to sleep on. The Big 12 but knows that. Also, so. also Houston uh, sitting pretty at six. This is obvious uh, considering that a lot of people were talking about what their playoff hopes would be. Um, it's obvious that if they went out, they will be in the playoff. And maybe even with one loss against like a, a Louisville they play later in the season, uh, they could still possibly get in. Um, yeah, Houston's for real, and the committee's taking them real. Um, Houston and Louisville, Louisville, Louisville are both for real. Um, Louisville are a team coming out of nowhere in the ACC that we didn't think was going to be this good. And uh, that's just another game for like FSU to have to worry about. And that matchup's actually this week. So it's crazy how some of these teams are just coming out of nowhere. But Houston gets uh, Cincinnati in primetime on Thursday this week. Actually, Cincinnati's a team that's struggling. Yeah, think, I'm just. I think it's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. It's just one of those things that we're gonna have to see how Houston does with some of those teams that aren't so overhyped or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, closing out the rankings, we've got. Michigan at number four, Ohio State at number three, Florida State at number two, and Alabama at number one. All those teams. What, what can you say? They're just yeah. mega conf, mega powerhouses. All those teams moving up one as Clemson kind of drops out of that top four, except for Alabama. They stay deservedly right where they're at. They haven't shown any reason why they're not the best team in the nation. They take fifty-six so. top first place votes. That's where they're. That's where they're going to be. Uh, we're going to find out a lot about uh, Florida State. We've already found out a good bit, but we're going to see they're without one of their best defensive players this week, so uh, we'll see what happens with that matchup against Louisville. Um, this Ohio State-Michigan matchup toward the end of the year, if both of them keep winning... Game of be, the year. It's going to be the Big Ten game of the year. Might be just overall game of the year. It's going to be the Big Ten championship if, it, if these two teams are actually as good as they say. Yeah. 
Which team gets to beat up on Iowa or Wisconsin? Or Wisconsin. Uh, both of them really handling business. Have, or Ohio State has a tough game this week uh, with Oklahoma and Norman, but uh, Michigan's got a relatively easy schedule too. Until that, they're gonna like they're supposed to be coming into like the tough part of their schedule at seven and zero. So uh, it's gonna be really interesting. Ohio State's got to fill their end of the deal for that to actually happen. I'm just excited this rivalry is actually a rivalry. I know it was supposed yeah. to be a rivalry last year. Ohio State kind of kicked the teeth out of Michigan, but um, it's it's happening. It's happening again. Yeah. It's really exciting. Anticipation for that will build. I'm also excited to see the Sooners possibly one and two. Uh, Bob Stoops' seat will continue to possibly heat up. Uh, the more he doesn't deliver goes back goes back into the conversation we had what two episodes ago where we were talking about how Oklahoma when they're overhyped they don't do well I don't they don't handle it right I don't know what it is but when they come in with these high expectations they completely crumble and it's so satisfying every single time exactly and I don't know if Bob Stoops should be fired but whoever designed their schedule this year I think should be fired uh, Houston and uh, Ohio State. In your I don't think when they I don't think when they scheduled Houston Houston was very good though. I agree, but I feel like you've got to take the easy route and go. Uh, I don't know a, a Nichols or, a, <laughs> or a, just find the easiest. Appalachian team. State. I actually I thought it, just really quick. Um, I thought it was super interesting. Darren Robble was tweeting about how much these high profile teams are pl- paying. To, to lose. To lose. I think it was super interesting. I think the two highest ones were, um, oh, shoot, I would have to do a little research, which I'm not going to do, but, I mean, it's just such an probably, interesting Probably one piece. of them was Mississippi State with Alabama, yeah. South Alabama. Yeah. Um, for something like that, I think it's super interesting to see what teams will are willing to shell out for an opportunity at a perceived easy win. Yeah, you know? lesser opponent. So... Are we ready to move on to our NFL recap? Yeah. Yes. All right, let's get to it. This week on the Comebacks Podcast, we're trying out a new segment. It's called Two Minute Drill. I'm ready. We're going to get in this box score and we're going <laughs> to hit it in two minutes. Are you ready, boys? Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. First, we got the Broncos taking down the Panthers. Cam Newton, headshot, concussed. He's done. <laughs> Eagles, Browns, 29-10. RG3, hurt again. <laughs> Vikings, Titans, Daniel the Hunter, bars down. Packers, 27 over the Jags, 23. Aaron Rodgers, the miracle man, does it again. Ravens over the Bills, 13-7. They might not be dead. Steve Smith will be soon, though. <laughs> Texans, 23 to the Bears, 14. Turn Jay- down turn down for what? Wait, he didn't get a sack. And Jay Cutler files for unemployment. <laughs> Eagles, 29 of the... Oh, we already hit that. By the way, Carson Wentz. Yeah, the Browns passed yeah. on him. 
Buccaneers 31 over the Falcons 24. Jameis Winston bought a Bowflex, throws four touchdowns. Crab legs. <laughs> Bengals 23, Jets 22. Revis Island bombed. Raiders Saints 35-24 or 35-34. Gambling. Suck. Chiefs 33, Chargers 27. N O T. Chiefs. I just I I don't know how they did it. I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't know. Seahawks 12, <laughs> the Dolphins. Miracle in KC. Miracle. Seahawks 12, Dolphins 10. Worst game I've ever seen. <laughs> Lions 39 over the Colts 35. Matt Stafford doesn't need no Megatron. But Andrew Luck needs a shave. <laughs> Giants 20, Cowboys 19. Dak attack, no stacks. Patriots, 23. Cards, 21. Who is Tom Brady? I don't know. Steelers, 38. Redskins, 16. Redskins, still racist. 49ers, 28. Rams, nothing. Todd who? Yeah. Todd who? Jared Goff, what a pick. (laughs) Man, we killed that. Two minutes under two. I don't know. I don't know. I came in. I came in pretty weak. I feel like I That's okay. cut Nick completely off. He was on a roll. I shouldn't have done that. Are you but, not keeping this? Are we yeah, no, no, no. We're keeping it. We're hundred percent keeping it. That was not dope. even cutting this. Not that even was, cutting it. That was good. 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 That was a good. That was a good flaw. I do I like that segment. That. We're gonna continue this segment as we go. Uh, obviously, get a little bit better. That was all improvised after like the first two of them. I thought I'd point that out. But yeah. we're excited. You're excited. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Let's we don't know more. why you're listening. <laughs> Let's get some. We got some like. Some that was really exciting. Really, some real energy going. But uh, we didn't really talk about any of the games in depth, so we were going to talk about a few of them. Uh, the one that I picked was the Redskins-Steelers uh, matchup, which, hang on just a second, let me get the stats up for this. Um, all this hype, and I can't get my stats up. But uh, Redskins struggling, that's really the, uh, the story of the game. Antonio Brown not really working on... Uh, Josh Norman at all. I think uh, Antonio Brown had two targets when Josh Norman was guarding him. He didn't catch any balls uh, while Josh Norman was guarding him, but he did catch seven against whoever whoever the heck the other Redskins corner is. It doesn't really matter. But uh, uh, Antonio Brown having a big game. Uh, D'Angelo Williams also having a career game. He had 26 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Um, that guy can play. Fantasy savior for me, by the way. Um, I don't even think he was this good in Carolina. He no. seems to really love that system in Pittsburgh, and I think he really loves that offensive line. That touchdown he had, the the first one he had was crazy, where he split the two defenders. Yeah. Like I I want like uh I want like a vine of like somebody splitting two cards in blackjack and just see him the dealer just separating because that's what he did. It was there like, was a couple runs when they were going for it on like fourth and one that well, there was one I don't know if you're if you know the one I'm talking about but he got the first down but he tripped over his own lineman's legs and if he wouldn't have done that he would have scored it would have been like a forty yard touchdown run on fourth and one. Uh, Pittsburgh gambling gambling a lot. On fourth down, it seemed like, and uh, Big Ben had those runner pass options and and t- took advantage of it multiple times, and he'd throw it to Antonio Brown over the over the other corner. So I wonder if Kirk Cousins likes that. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, though, um, I thought that team was going to be a lot better than it was. Uh, I had Matt Jones in, in my fantasy bench, and he did nothing. Um, Deshaun Jackson, I thought a couple of times he was going to go off. Uh, didn't end up that way. Jordan Reed was quiet. That, that Redskins offense looks uh, really uh, just muddled. And I didn't think the defense did that bad. To be honest, I felt like Antonio Brown could have went off for four touchdowns 
Uh, Easily. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a really great game, uh, to say the least. I'm glad it opened up on Monday night. Uh, better than the dumpster fire we got after it, um, to say for sure. Um, Both, you want to talk a little bit about the Vikes game? Yeah, I will. So AP struggles. Um, okay, we're not going to talk about AP struggling <laughs> because not only did they put nine in the box, they put ten in the box. So who, who wouldn't? I mean, sure, who wouldn't? But what do you? I mean, what? Huh? <laughs> you just don't do? even know what to say. I mean, you, I mean, we came away with the win. Hey, That's fine. Win. One to zero. Top. We okay. You're looking at a team with a high caliber defense, and that's what wins you games. The biggest question on the blade right now is who's starting on Sunday night. I mean, these are this is a team that gave up conditional picks. Well, okay, a first round guaranteed first round. However, a conditional fourth um, for Sam Bradford. He's a starting caliber QB. I'm sure, he's not had the healthiest track record of all time, but we didn't pay up to have him sit on the bench. And while Sean Hill did an adequate job and we came away with the victory, this is against a team that's not fully developed. The Titans are going to be a great team. They're Okay, they're not going to be a great team, but they're going to be there. They're going to be somewhere. But you got to look at it in a way that you're not going to beat the Packers on defense alone. You're going to need a little offense. And we put up no offensive touchdowns. So does Sam Bradford start Sunday night? Hopefully. I mean... I want him to. I mean, I, we've put too much into him, and he's prepared too heavily, learned, learned, um, learned the playbook too fast to not. And we have such a new stadium. I know this is a little off football topic, but we gotta fill that place up. It's gonna fill up, guaranteed, no matter what. But unless you want people leaving, we're gonna have to put up numbers and wins. And I think I mean, the Vikings struggles with the. Uh... The run game had, or is kind of the same thing that the Rams had, too. Uh, they couldn't get the passing game going, and that really hurt their star running backs. Um, Todd Gurley struggles, very, very similar to Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Could not get anything going because uh, the quarterback just wasn't getting anything going in the passing game, which is kind of the complete opposite of what we talked about in the college football segment where we were talking about the rushing game, but... Uh, Sean Hill, 18 for 33, 236 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So that's not, not a terrible I mean, what, performance, but it wasn't. What he did is put up a, a good enough performance to win against a, a team that's not fully developed. A, yeah, a young team. If that, uh, Marcus I mean, Mariota actually played very, very well. Yeah, he had a great finishing drive, honestly. The, the weirdest thing that happened at the end of that game is, is more coaching decisions, like going harking back to coaching is if you're down 15, why you take a chance for two, your first shot down the field is beyond me. I think that was one of the big things they talked about as they were doing that that two-minute drill. Well, okay, not well, 30 seconds they had. But you kick the field goal, you go down eight, and now you have a chance to get the ball back. They went for two. They missed it. They kicked their. They they now now you're down nine. Now you don't even have a chance. So yeah, it was, it was just an interesting game. It wasn't it wasn't anything special. It wasn't there wasn't a ton of hype, but we'll get we'll get to Sunday night soon enough. And I got a few opinions on that. So, uh, uh, Nick, you wanted to talk about the uh, the Chiefs Chargers game. Uh, this is one we were watching together. Uh, 
very, very interesting, to say the least, to start off the game for the Chiefs. Um, Kansas City fans not too happy with their team. Already booing the Chiefs 18 minutes into the season. Yeah. Uh, second quarter, uh, a large chant of boos came from the loudest stadium in the nation. Um, 24-3 at halftime. Uh no hope going to um by by the way for first when we talk about the second quarter uh Keenan Allen going down for the season obviously heartbreaking uh for San Diego and their fans big big loss he was having a really good game too he was Peters could not do anything he Peters was talking tr- talking smack and Keenan Allen would smile and catch another ball yep. it seemed like so exactly and that's kind of where uh everything went downhill for the the Chargers is after they lost Keenan Allen they couldn't get anything going offensively they they do bring in a uh 24-3 lead at half but then they come out in the third quarter and something changed in the team I think it was that uh Andy Reid had just gave him the old speech of, look 21 points it's not that much uh, we drive down the field um, several times, get get it to overtime at uh, 27, um, hold them to three in the second half, and then obviously winning the coin toss is big in overtime. Uh, Alex Smith with the rushing touchdown. Shout out to uh, anybody who's smart enough to start Alex Smith in fantasy this week. Uh, big game from him. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this was a game that we should have won. Uh, it should have been a lot easier than this, and it could have been a near miss. Uh, especially when we're going to play the Raiders soon, the the uh, New Orleans Saints. Um, there's we have a lot of tough early season matchups, and this was a win that we needed, and one that I think that San Diego uh, is really gonna regret going forward. This that's the thing with uh with NFL games, I think, is that uh you know it's really hard to kind of judge teams, and even though teams are worse, and you're supposed to beat teams, you're still it's still gonna be close games because it's pro football, so everybody's kind of on the same. Same skill level, so you're not so much better than another team. So, like, then I don't know, the Patriots aren't going to always beat the the Browns by 35 points. It still could be a close game because these still are pro football players when it comes down to it. So, I don't think that's there's nothing to worry about when you're the Chiefs and you only eep out a victory against the Chargers that are kind of a much lesser opponent. But, um, I don't know, the Chargers showed the Chargers showed some good signs. <laughs> Uh, on offense, Melvin Gordon, two touchdowns. Uh, I don't even know how to do the math because it's like an infinity, the amount of touchdowns he had last year. So um, that's kind of a good sign for the Chargers. But um, obviously Keenan Allen going down is going to be huge. They're going to have to figure something out for a receiver. Um, well, they- actually, weird kind of quirky note about the roster of the Chargers now is Joey Bosa gets called up to the 53-man roster. Crazy enough. I mean, you're looking at a dude that's top 10 pick. I don't know. They've had the craziest experience with him. I mean, he he ended up signing a deal, and so he's not going back to the draft, but he's lost out on so much time. and I uh, I just don't even... He's so unproven. I don't know what his deal is, so we'll have to see. Um... Last game we really want to go in depth on the Raiders Saints game. This was an exciting NFL game. Should have been on Monday night. I would have rather had this one end of the week rather than the San Francisco 49ers against the Los Angeles Rams. Um, yeah, it appears the Raiders are putting the piece that they acquired in the offseason uh, to good use a lot faster than we thought. Latavius Murray having a good game. Uh, Amari Cooper, 130 yards and a touchdown. Derek Carr out-dueling uh, Drew Brees. 
Um, and then obviously, hard to do. What? Hard to do. Very, very hard to do. Considering Drew Brees, I think that he gets up in the morning and he probably just throws. I don't know, babies, <laughs> 50, 60 yards down a, down a practice field. The dude has a cannon, and he's been launching uh, upwards of 40 passes a game for, I don't know, the last five, six years. Do you think New Orleans, New Orleans is a team that's going to consistently pass the ball 60 times a game? Yes, 100%. Um, and they have a pair of receivers who did exceptionally well uh, over the past weekend, Willie Sneed and Braden Cooks. If you had either one of those guys on your fantasy team, you were uh, exceptionally happy. Uh, I had Billy Sneed on my bench. Um, I think my bench players were, were very happy. I was kind of rooting for a tie so I could, you know, utilize those points. But, um, honestly, and also, we have to talk about the big decision at the end of the game. Jack Del Rio, Raiders head coach, decides to go for two. That took some stones. And the win with 40 seconds left. I think that's the right call, though. I agree with it. I think it is, too. On the road against... For a young team. On the road, young team so. against Drew Brees... Uh, playing at New Orleans, I, I feel like you got to win it right there. And apparently that's, that was the plan all along. They were going to go drive down the field. They already knew they were going for two. Um, heck of a throw and heck of a catch. Yeah, yeah. You know, over the shoulder, spin them. I, I don't know if I'd make that call. Like I'd go for two, but I don't think I'd have the, the, the cojones to, to go to Michael Crabtree. To do the fade to Michael Crabtree. Th- that was... I, I don't know, maybe I'd do a rollout, try to hit the tight end. I would probably want to give options because that there's no options on nah, that play. That was, it's draw back, you're throwing it here, and if it it's comes It's like, up, hey, Michael, scam's on you. Yeah, <laughs> we saw that with the Giants. In the Giants game, they do that twice to OBJ in the red zone on first and second down, but, you know, it's obviously it's first down, and then the third down, they they, uh, they did multiple patterns and yeah. um, hit Victor Cruz for a touchdown, but it, to, to do a fade on four down and put all faith in that, that was... That was very big. I, I don't know what the percentages of that throw is, but... Apparently, according to ESPN, it was very, very low. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Victor Cruz also. I do want to um, just touch on that just a little bit. It's great to see him in the end zone again. After, doing the salsa. Yeah, after 700 days or whatever of him not playing. Uh, I'm glad to see that he's still kind of the same player. Uh, obviously, they have more weapons, so he's not going to get the amount of targets that he did before because I don't even think Odell Beckham Jr. was a teammate when no, he was playing yeah. so it's kind of crazy but I mean, it's good to see him again the Giants have a sneakily may have the best wide receiving core in football uh with Sterling Shepard Victor and Cruz, they're and in the still probably the worst division in football oh don't worry they won't win that many games no no team in that division wins when was the last time I don't know we've had like a 14 or 13 win team in that division? I don't know. They always seem to make the playoffs at eight and eight, seven and nine. Yeah, nine and seven. It, that that division is and those aren't even like great games. They're they're like fun games to watch, but they're, they're just, just all dumpster s- fire. Yeah, so much on the same level that they don't. I don't. know. It's so weird. Yeah. Um. We're gonna turn our attention to a different kind of fantasy football. I, a different kind of football. Fantasy I, football. I you spoiled the surprise. Wow. I telegraphed. No, I'm so <laughs> bad. Uh, our league, obviously, uh, us three are in the same league, and um, lots of trash talk goes down. Oh, man. Um, but uh, we finally played out our first week. Uh, very, very anticipated. I was looking forward to it. I'm so glad that it's back, but um, did not turn out so well. But we're going to give you kind of a summary of what happened. Uh, we've got some, like, fake little headlines. Uh <laughs> Lutz fell short. Our friend Lutz, he uh, fell short and lost to 
Jenner, 88 to 80. I don't really want to say the team names because some of them are kind of offensive, yeah. including mine. But well, uh, are we? Um, we're gonna get to a, a bunch of trade stuff, yeah. Yes, pretty. Yeah, we will. Okay. We will definitely. Because lots is part of the contract. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, we had some t- like we're gonna go through like top performers and stuff for each team as well. Um, Lutz, he had Carson Palmer and Amir Abdullah were his two like top. Performers Carson Palmer had 18 points for fantasy and Amir Abdul with 17. I mean, honestly, he puts up a decent effort. If, he does. If uh, if he has a few more strokes of luck, if he gets if he gets he, uh, he Michael Jenner. or Martavius no. Bennett or whatever yeah. his name is or something Dallas. Bennett, uh, Gronk's backup. He only got one point out of him, and he also got one point out of Tavon Tavon Austin, which I probably could have told you that was going to happen. Yeah, um, but I mean, still, he had a shot. This is, uh, for those of you that don't know, Lutz is the one that came up very, very short last year and finished the last place. So hopefully he he improves this year, uh, a little bit higher stakes. Uh, Jenner's, <laughs> Jenner's top performers were Eli Manning and David Johnson. Eli Manning he took in the second round, a very, very bold strategy. Seems to pay off for him week one, but um, we'll see. His uh, kind of only disappointment that he had was the Marius Thomas from the Broncos. Uh, do you want to take the next one, Nick? Yes, I will. Um, by the way, um, when we do uh, get to the uh, trade talk, we just want to let you know that we did invite uh, Trey. We actually invited the whole cast. We invited the, the whole cast. The whole co- the 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 defendant, the bayad, and the and the plaintiff. <laughs> We've got some of the jury here. These two. Yeah. I'm the judge, Kamish, <laughs> and uh, we have the defendants. We're supposed to have them in, but uh, the next match we talk about was our friend, good friend Kevin, who was on the podcast last week. He's past Kyler. Um, the top pro- performers for Kevin were C.J. Anderson with 25, Antonio Brown 24. What a surprise! Yeah, and <laughs> uh, Walker actually Delaney Walker. Delaney, Delaney Walker. Walker only had four. He was a really he highly rated. He didn't show up versus the Vikings, which is interesting. But I mean, yeah, uh, we can't blame him though. You know, tough D. Tough D. Kyler, uh, Kyler's top uh, performers were Stafford with twenty five, Doug Baldwin with fifteen, and Des Bryant with zero. He only had one, one catch with nine yards. Yeah, didn't drop a, a touchdown pass. He had a rough, he had a rough week, and he could be in for a rough season. He doesn't really like playing without Romo, does he? No. Um, I don't even. They they didn't even throw him the ball that much. Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley got more targets than he did. Um, that uh, Kevin has a stacked team. C.J. Anderson, Antonio Brown. Uh, and C.J. Anderson's got a lot to make up for last season. For last season, though. Yeah, and I think he even has Le'Veon Bell on his bench. He does uh, for yeah. when he's coming back. That's so, really very scary. There goes. Well, but okay. I mean, if the if the Pittsburgh Steelers don't perform well, no, I understand. Then. Um, both you want to talk about uh, mine and Andrew? Sure, I'll uh, I'll take I'll take Andrew Makings over Nick. Wait, what? Oh yeah, no, never mind. You took the yeah. you took the dub. Yes, yeah, you, by a lot. Yeah, both. Sorry, our our headline is a little a little hard for me to. All right, let me just read this headline because yeah, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Awareness. Leads Nick to a victory over Makings, 120 to 96. You break it down. I, I'm not great with this. Um, Nick had a fantastic week out of a few of his players, which really was a saving grace, uh, especially early because it did not look great for him, losing Keenan Allen to that ACL injury. Uh, his top performers were Luck with 35 points. It appears that Andrew Luck is back for fantasy. And then Spencer Ware, a guy that he was on, or he was pretty big on last week, scores 25. So you look really, really smart. 
your your disappointment of the week is the Chiefs defense, which yes. Uh, and then obviously Keenan Allen tearing his ACL, and you've got to figure something out for that. But yeah. cryy face, and I want to call out both here. Who after I had Jamal Charles being out and Gronk being out and Thomas Rawls playing Ben okay, Boy, okay, hold didn't on, believe, hold on, hold didn't on, believe. Hold on, he said hold I was on, quote done. He said he was I was done. done. I was done. I was done. Like hit him with pizza. the R.I.P. Harambe. Yo, I'm gonna hit you with the you need to eat the words now because I will make a bubblegum ready team every week if I need to. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I'm uh, okay, fine. I, I can't say I was the same because I ended up having. Put the respect exact, on my name. I pretty much had respect Kevin, in it. I pretty much had Kevin's team last year, <laughs> but it was less underrated. Antonio Brown went six and Cam Newton went fourth QB overall. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Makings, makings oh, didn't have a bad you. week against you either. It just he ran into you having some really, really huge performances. Huge performances. Yeah, Derek Carr with 21 points and DeMarco Murray with 17. Yeah, crazy. That's good to see him back. One absolutely stunning flip. With, yeah, that was awesome. Over, uh, I think it was Harrison Smith, maybe. Yeah, Andrew's a great opponent, and I, I respect the shit out of him. I, I, I ain't respecting both. Over here, not putting stop, res- respect stop, on my name. Stop. I don't know what week I'll see you in, but believe me, I got that marked on my calendar. Yeah, I think other than battle. other than those two big Shoot performances okay from those two real. players, uh, Makings had Brandon Marshall with three points, which was a disappointment. But uh, other than that, all of his other players in his lineup were they put up like average numbers, kind of like what they're projected. So uh, he looked really good. Just ran into like an opponent that had multiple great performances. Um, Shout out to Spencer Ware. Love that guy. Nick, do you want to take mine? Kind of break down what happened with mine? I don't really want to talk about myself. Yes, I will. Um, You were the comeback that came up just short, playing big old Randall Friesen, (laughs) a friend of ours who is a giant. Chat lurker. (laughs) The chat lurker, the giant himself. Uh, Randy beats Devin, 98-92. Top performers for Devin were D'Angelo Williams, who had 28, Roethlisberger, 22, and his biggest disappointment came at the end of the night, the 11th hour. He needed Todd Gurley to put up... Eight? Ten. Uh, I needed... Put up ten to tie. Ten to tie. tie. I needed 11 because his bench kicked my bench's butt. Yeah. Todd Gurley shut down by the Niners' defense. They were... Bring in eight, nine guys in the box every time. Couldn't find any room. Uh, his disappointment was Gary Barnridge, zero points. With RG3 going out, though. Stock know, goes up. Yeah, McCown definitely. I do want to add in that the reason this is called a comeback is because going into last night, we're recording this on Tuesday night, uh, going into last night, down 60. I was down 60 points, 98-38, with Ben Roethlisberger, D'Angelo Williams, and Todd Gurley all to go. Uh, Todd Gurley and Ben Roethlisberger put up 50 combined, so Gurley only, only needed 11. I felt like that was extremely possible for Todd Gurley, my first-round pick, uh, and it didn't go my way. So Yeah, um, and then Randy's best performance was A.J. Green, obviously a terrific game, just yeah. bombarding Revis Island, 24, 24 points. Aaron Rodgers, 22 points. And Devontae Freeman, disappointment <coughs> with uh, four, and he also had Kobe Fleener, who I have in another league, put up zero. I was I, I'm scared about the Kobe Fleener. Uh, a lot of hype going into him, the new tight end for the Saints. Uh, not looking good early. And then Devontae Freeman, Randy's got to be panicking a little bit uh, that his his first round pick, his star, isn't really isn't really producing right now. It looks like it's going to be the hot hand approach that the Falcons went with last year, and it just Devontae Freeman just kind of took it completely over last year, and it 
Tevin Coleman's not some some guy that you're gonna sleep on this year in fantasy. I don't think. I feel like this old old fantasy season is gonna be the the hot hand approach. It seems it seems like that stars aren't producing and uh, other guys that you're gonna really be looking to fish in free agency and look for backups and handcuffs that are uh, looking to be a better position than than starters in a lot of cases. Um, the uh, and the final matchup is Trey Cooks both. In the championship rematch. Cooks, get it? Cooks? I don't want to hear Brandon it at all. I'm Brandon Cooks, it. huge. In I'm already this, over it. In this huge, huge title rematch. The kid's a snake. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. It. Sounds like this recipe has a little salt on it right now. <laughs> uh, but the score was 111-91. to 91. Trey Nelson's best performance, Brandon Cooks, 27. Alex Smith, 27. Biggest disappointment was Bolf's hometown guy, Peterson. <laughs> That's Green. okay. Came off the W, didn't do anything for Trey. That's all I care about. I'm considering not playing. Okay, Jordan I just want you. Game. I want you to look at both top performers really quick. Okay, he's got the Vikings defense at 21 points. Yep, great. And then great Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh goes four for at, six at 14 points. Everybody four for else, six on field everybody goals. else, single digits on this team. Yeah, and I still put up 91. And, and I still shouldn't have lost today. Duh. But you did. So yeah. yeah. Okay, Brandon Cooks. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred yard rece- reception for the touchdown. Oh man, if Drew Brees isn't Drew Brees, okay, that's a bad whatever. I don't care. Brandon Cooks doesn't catch that. I'm, I'm down four. I lose by four. If Alex Smith doesn't have the second half of his goddamn career, I win. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, Trey definitely got lucky. Trey M. And we're he didn't get lucky. He had a great. There's yeah. people that had great performances. I'm just salty. And Bolf's going to have to recover from that for week two. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of Trey, uh, we have a little segment, which we're going to call the courtroom. It's not, not as, not as going to be as good, uh, obviously, without them here. They were supposed to both be here. Yeah, I really wanted to hear the, okay. the plaintiff. But this happened last night during the Monday night game. Um, which, Trey, is, which is ballsy in itself. Trade goes through. You know, everybody gets their notification email. Trade or trade has been accepted in your fantasy league. Julio Jones for Alex Smith and Moncrief from. Let me just explain to you his his basic his Trey's basic level uh, reasoning. Reasoning yeah, for a lack of a better word, we call it trade rate. Okay. Yeah. So he says Alex Smith is a like a reputable. QB, and I think he's getting that out of the fact that he put up 27. Yeah, and that's just not gonna happen. Cam Newton has the ability. Breath- ben Roethlisberger has the ability to put up 27 week by week by week. Alex Smith doesn't. Yeah, Cam Newton for Julio Jones one on one is in itself a sort of a weak trade. Yeah, uh, let alone Alex Smith and Dante Moncrief, who is isn't even a top 10, top 12, maybe not even top no. 15. Trey's trying to. He was trying to get a top, or he was trying to get a first round pick. pick. For, for the sixth and seventh fifth, rounders. A sixth yeah. and the seventh round pick. I, I just, I don't agree with it. I don't think it's... And, okay, some... I He says he didn't try to swindle Lutz, but I don't think that's the case. I think he took Lutz's lack for a better word, ability, skill, whatever, as his his bait. And I the same thing happened last year. He took OBJ off Lutz, which... We didn't have the veto system last year. Otherwise, that would have been shut down. To make this even, to make the, to put this even like into more perspective, it took probably what twenty minutes for this trade to yeah. be completely vetoed. And so, we gave Trey a chance to 
to give give yeah, us his reason. Give us his case. It just it didn't work. But uh, there's nothing. It requires. I don't know where he gets the fact that it's it's a fair trade. I it just, requires six or six, six vetoes. It six requires vetoes. six vetoes. Six the ten. two people that accept the trade obviously can't vote. So it's six out of eight. That's seventy five percent. And I don't think the other two even had a chance to vote. It was just six vetoes. Boom. Done. Trade vetoed. So. Uh, I just thought it was very funny that the first like legitimate trade we had some like ones happen before the actual season started and uh, none of those got vetoed but uh, this the first legitimate trade during the season uh, gets vetoed. Uh, I thought it was extremely funny but you yeah you bring, you bring a bad trade in our house we swat it that, that's what it comes down to. Um, the whole league's got to look out for their own back. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you have to I look mean, out for your own interests. Trey, Trey was trying to tell us how he wants to run the league the way he wants to run it, and that's fair. <laughs> like everybody wants the best players. Everybody wants to have the ultimate team. That's the goal. We don't that's mess with sliders. Fantasy, but we don't in mess end, with sliders, no but sliders. In, but in the end, I'm the one holding the hammer. Yeah. Case closed. Yep, Devin, Devin is the executioner. <laughs> um, Moving on to NFL Week 2 games of interest. We've all had a chance to look at the schedule. We picked out a couple of highlights for uh, y'all to discuss. Um, Devin and I have picked out the Bengals and the Steelers. And if you don't know why this is interesting, then you haven't been paying attention to football recently. Bengals and Steelers, always a great rivalry. Um, especially with what happened last year in the playoff game. Obviously, the Bengals had the upper hand until several unsportsmanlike conduct policies. A Pittsburgh coach coming onto the field to choke <laughs> out a player. It was a mess. And I encourage all of you to check it out uh, if you don't know. Uh, Dev, what are you looking forward to for this game? I'm looking forward to uh, really A.J. Green and Antonio Brown trying to go shot for shot on each offensive unit. Oh my god, that, that uh, sounds exciting. It's going to be very exciting. Both these are the two contenders in the AFC North because Cleveland and Baltimore obviously not exactly going to be going to the playoffs anytime soon with the way that they're playing. So uh, these are really the two teams that they're they're competing against each other for a playoff spot, a guaranteed playoff spot, that is. And uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be really interesting. We're going to see how Ben Roethlisberger does. I think Cincinnati de- Cincinnati's defense is usually pretty good. And... Um, We'll see how the high-powered Pittsburgh offense can do. I I'm gonna I'm gonna take an early uh, fantasy shout out here. I don't think D'Angelo Williams has a good game in this. Um, I think that the I think the the uh, Bengals are gonna put seven dudes in the box. I think they're gonna say we need to stop D'Angelo, and if we can't cover Antonio Brown, so be it. Uh, they're gonna stick Pac-Man on him. They're gonna put a safety in the area, and they're just gonna let nature happen. Uh, but they're not going to do the the whole the whole um, when D'Angelo's hot they throw eight dudes in the box when Antonio's hot they they draw back in coverage. I don't think they th- play that. I game. I think Antonio has a good game, not a great game, and I think D'Angelo has an average game. An average game. Okay. Ten points. Who, who, who do you think comes out on top? Oh uh, gosh, I think Pittsburgh seems to have all the pieces in place. Man, they looked really impressive yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really liked what I saw with them. Um, you know, the key is going to be whether or not Ben Roethlisberger can stay healthy because I think that kind of hurt their season a little bit. With Michael Vick did a decent job for his ability and like what he can do. Yeah. But uh, I think if they have Big Ben the entire way, they have a better like playoff position. And so, um, who knows what could have happened last year? They didn't have to play the 
people that they played in the playoffs. So. I agree. I'm going to go Steelers 31, Bengals 28. Uh, that, that's my pick. Um, uh, do, you, do you have a certain score? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit less. Like I'm going to go lower scoring. I'm going to say Steelers 28, uh, Bengals 24. Okay. Um, moving on, Bulls pick. Uh, he's got his hometown Vikings versus Packers. Sunday night football, prime time. This on. is this is my game of the the year for for the Vikings. I think this is what sets the tone. If if we can come out with a W against a team that doesn't have the greatest defense, but arguably a top top two, I mean QB in the league, then then I then I legitimately see ourselves without a starting QB. Okay, without our original plan, starting QB, I see ourselves as legitimate back-to-back NFC North contenders for the championship. I mean, this is a team that's built to win right now. We went out and got Sam Bradford. We lost one. We picked up the slack. We got another. Um, I mean, this is this is a game that's gonna that's gonna prove it's gonna have to test a lot. I mean, I think the key to the Vikings' success in this one is whether or not they can get the passing game going. Because yeah. if they don't. Adrian Peterson well, is going to struggle. As well as the running. I mean, at this point, we have the capability of shutting down any offense in the league. Our defense is that good. That's solid. We, I do, I do. I can't do think I want to alone. I want to add, though, that this isn't just, you know, any offense. This is, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. No, I understand. This, I mean, this is I'm, a guy. I'm not that, overlooking them. I'm just, I don't know how he does some of the stuff he does. He was getting pulled down and threw a ball on the money last week. I th- I think the the Vikings D uh, keeps this keeps a low scoring uh, for the pack. Um, I I think that if Sam Bradford gets the start, I think that they have a legitimate chance. I um, that being said, I don't know what the playbook situation is. They said he needs to learn yeah. a little bit more. Well, we beat them at on their home turf NFC t- title game to win it last year, and that was with Teddy. So I mean. It's not like we're not proven. I'm still not down gotta, on Teddy. I think that Bradford at his best is better. And that's than and that's perfectly fine. I read a really good article today, actually, that brings up that good point. They are talking about what happens if Sam Bradford is too good. Like I think you roll with him into next year. Yeah, and too. I mean that's what concerns me because we have him for two years. Yeah, I mean I'm not sold on Sam Bradford at all. You know, it's old. I, I don't I don't expect people to be sold. I expect people to be like, hey, he's got, he's best, got a, he's all right. He's got to do a lot of proving. Yeah. To me, after what he did at the Eagles, and then part of that might have been the offense that he was trying to run, like a Chip Kelly offense, and he's not like a quarterback that's really fit to really run that offense. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. When you have the third worst QBR rating, it's it's tough for me to be like, yeah, hey, he could do all right. I just I just don't think he's played with a caliber of of receiving cores. Speaking of receiving cores, you're looking at one of the best fifth-round draft picks in the recent history, Stephon Diggs. Yeah. I mean, this dude is fast, agile, he's got great hands. I mean, this is a kid that's going to be something great. And, I mean, we got Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith and Eric Hendrith and Anthony Barr on as defensive backs and, line, and uh, linebackers. I mean... It's a stacked defense. And... I'm pretty sure that uh, for for this particular game, it sounds like a comebacks podcast is split. Uh, Devin's a skeptic, Bolf's a believer. I'm kind of a wait and see guy. I'm excited for this game. Yeah. I, I think it's gonna be big. It's gonna and be- we're we're open up we're open up the open up the brand new ship, the brand new stadium. I mean, we have a lot to prove. Yeah, prime um, time, 
Collinsworth hasn't ever seen the stadium. Al Michael's never seen the stadium. We've never played in the dark. We don't know how the lighting's going to be. I mean, this is this is a big, big, big time game. For, for me, at least. All right, moving on from the NFL and getting back to some college football. We've got a little week three preview for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about some games of interest before uh, our week three pick-ems. Um, uh, to start off, Dev, Colorado at Michigan. What do you uh, feel? This is Michigan's really first test. Uh, obviously, Hawaii and Central Florida, not exactly the caliber of opponents we're going to be seeing in the Big Ten. Uh, Colorado wasn't exactly a team on my radar to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to test us. But they have, they've looked much improved this season, so it's going to be curious to see how we actually handle a Power 5 opponent. Going into the big house, um, I, I still don't see any problem with what Michigan does. Uh, I feel like Harbaugh's really got stuff rolling there. That defense looks pretty good, um, and the offense is doing what it needs to do. It executes. It's like a well-oiled machine at this point. So, um, I don't know. I feel like Michigan wins this game by like 28. So, I think that you're correct. I Colorado kind of has been the whipping boy of the Pac-12. Uh, I don't see them giving... Michigan any any trouble and like I said they do look much improved but yeah and Harbaugh doesn't seem to to me to be like the man who uh, would get snuck up on he's no. very very meticulous they they didn't have any blunders those first two weeks which some a lot of the other teams did yeah um, they didn't they looked like they were overlooking and stuff and it looked like the guys were really focused on just the task at hand let's take care of business then move on exactly um, talking about Florida Atlantic. At K-State, our first, first home game, game uh, this Saturday, uh, 1.30 kickoff. Um, Quite interesting time for kickoff. I don't think we've ever had one at we've had some, yeah. Maybe one or two, but typically three or six. or. I expect an 11. Yeah. yeah, honestly. Um, but uh, 11, yeah, definitely not an 11. Uh, those are bad. Um, I can't even start drinking by, by that time. <laughs> I don't know. It'll feel, be, it'll feel really good to be back in the bill. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Missouri State then set the week after is a six o'clock kickoff. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, but I think this is just gonna be our, our one of our cream puffs. Uh, it's gonna be a chance for Ertz to stretch out the arm. I uh, see a little bit more of the offense. Um, definitely watch the offensive line. It'll be interesting to see the uh, the snap um, uh, counts across uh, the running backs. Dalvin Warmack had a couple of interesting plays against Stanford. Charles Jones, obviously, still the starter. Um, it, it, it's just going to be one of those games where uh, you, you hope that things go right for K-State so we can see how they can go right when we get to tougher opponents. I'm excited. Uh, home game atmosphere, yay, but uh, it definitely feels a little bittersweet coming in 0-1. This does need to be a game that K-State does well and builds confidence in. Yeah, I agree. They need to, on all... All like teams, they need some. They need confidence on defense. They need confidence on offense, and they need some special teams confidence too. Because there was some special teams play that I thought was pretty sloppy against Stanford. So we did. We got outplayed on special teams. Never a good. Never that's a good not, thing for and that's K-State. not something that K State is. That's not characteristic of K State. K State special teams is usually very very good. So yeah, um, it's gonna be interesting. I'm excited. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully Jesse Ertz. Builds some confidence. He looks like he needs some. All right. I need to air it out. Yeah. Really show everybody what he's capable of. I mean. Just cock it back and let it loose. This is proving to him and to us. I mean, 
He didn't he didn't get the chance a ton versus Stanford, and I think he will this week. After a lackluster week two and a fantastic week one, we've got another great slate of games this week for our pick'em. Uh, starting off, we've got UCLA at BYU. Uh, both teams coming into the game one and one, both unranked. Uh, this is just kind of an interesting matchup, I think. Uh, BYU was my favorite to win the rivalry last week against Utah and came up short. I think it was like a one-point game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was, it, this is just a really interesting matchup for me. I'm picking BYU. I still like that young quarterback that they've got. Um, so I'm saying BYU. Uh, I'm going to roll with UCLA and Josh Rosen. I think the Texas A&M game was a wake-up call. And uh, uh, going for the Bruins. I'm, I feel the exact same way. I mean, taking UCLA. All right, I'm, next game we've got, we've got Pittsburgh against Oklahoma State at Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, I'm taking OSU uh, basically on a shred of hope that we still are we're still, we're a good team. And uh, Central Michigan was just us playing very poorly, and uh, yeah. but I am extremely worried about that Pittsburgh run game, like I talked about. Earlier. Yeah, I mean that's, Jan- that's Connor is Connor is such a good running back. It's we're gonna really find out how, a lot about our defense, um, and it's gonna be similar to what Oklahoma is gonna try and do to us. So that's a good early matchup for Oklahoma State to really kind of see where they stack up. So I'm picking Oklahoma State. I'm going. I'm going Oki Light as well. I mean, Oki Light. I'm. I'm gonna stay. Uh, I'm gonna stay Pitt. Um, I think that they're definitely the underdog here. Uh, gonna go try to. St- I'm, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm trying to steal a point here. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to get. Going against the river. All right. Uh, top twenty-five. Miami. Uh, Florida at Appalachian State. I didn't know Appalachian State played non-conference Power Five teams. Uh, on at their place ever. Yeah. But um. I'm taking Miami. I like what they. I like what I've seen from Miami so far. Uh, I just want Miami to remain in the top twenty-five. College football, you gotta love the U. It's, it's all about the U. We roll the U across the board. I agree. No yeah. points to be won there. Only lost. Oh yeah, both taking Miami as well. I do. The Appalachian State is not a team you can sleep on, though. No, yeah, a lot no. of people have the the Canes on on uh, upset alert, and I don't blame them. Uh, next matchup, we've got Oregon at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska has looked much improved this year, and Oregon maybe kind of a little bit back on the rise. Uh, they didn't do kind of the typical Oregon stuff last year, you know, winning a ton of games and all that. So I'm taking Oregon. I think that they're going to kind of continue the success that they have, but I do think it's going to be a close game. They're playing in Lincoln. That's a tough place to play always. Uh, Nebraska's not a bad team, so it'll be a close one. I'm a roll quack quack as well. I think that, like, uh, I agree, a close game, but uh, Oregon's a better team, and I think Helfrich has something to prove after that terrible bull meltdown last year. Yes, sir. I'm taking taking the doggies. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not totally divisive on this podcast. We're yeah, not idiots. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> All right. There's there's games that we pick and choose to be a little more cocky, a little more risky on, but. Yeah. Next uh, next matchup, we've got Texas A&M at Auburn. This one is a little bit of a tougher pick, in my opinion. Uh, SEC matchup, Texas A&M. Uh, are they coming into the game 2-0? Texas A&M? Yeah, yes. Texas A&M. Yeah. Yep. Texas A&M comes in the game 2-0. Auburn 1-1, obviously losing to Clemson. Uh, I'm picking Auburn. I liked what I saw against Clemson. I felt that Deshaun Watson struggling against them wasn't all 
Clemson's fault. I felt like Auburn had something to do with that, and I think they're going to do some of the same stuff. And again, it's tough to play at a place like Auburn, so we'll see. I think uh, I think Kenny takes the reins. I'm taking taking Tamu. You mean Knight? Knight. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, TCU. <laughs> Shit. Uh, whatever. It's, okay. it's a late night. He's taking. He's taking Big Twelve late night. Yeah. Podcast recording. That's okay. No, I'm taking Trevor. I guess. Trevor I'm, Knight. I'm gonna bring in. Uh, I'm bringing Tamu rolls with the save Kevin Sumlin's job tour. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I got the twelfth man coming in Auburn. Oh man, the twelfth man. Such a regal debate going on right now between. Don't NFL the, versus NTA. Don't the Aggies win considering not only they had it before it, but yeah, like yeah, they, they won. Seahawks are paying them money. Yeah, to con- use it on social media. They're connected social really well with the military. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Next matchup: USC coming in one and one against the Stanford Cardinal at Stanford. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's had a week off, even though it wasn't really that much needed after just one game. But uh, I think this is going to be consensus Stanford. Uh, it's just USC. USC was reduced down to beach sand after week one. Maybe even less than that. I agree. Stanford. They, they took everybody on that campus and tossed them out in the ocean. And now they nothing. gotta fear the tree. Fear the tree. <laughs> Stanford, cross the board, baby. Now we're getting into the meat of our pickups. We've got four top twenty-five matchups this week. Uh, Michigan State coming in at two and zero against Notre Dame one and one. I feel like this is a an elimination game for Notre Dame. If they lose, they are out of the college football playoff. Um, so I'm taking Notre Dame. I I like Kaiser. I like what he did against. Uh, yeah, but is Torrey Hunter Jr. back? I don't know not that it matters. Sure. I feel like Notre Dame is talented regardless of whether or not they have Torrey Hunter. I feel the same way. I'm ruling Notre Dame. Fighting Irish fight on. I don't know. I just don't see it. Both Michigan State trying to get a point. They're gonna be my. They're gonna be my my sleeper pick. Rolling with D'Antoni. I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not saying they're a sleeper pick. I mean, and they're I not a sleeper. The, I mean, they're coming in at number twelve. I don't know what the line is, like the over under, but or the spread, but I can't remember. It. I'm sure it'll change. Yeah, but just they. Uh, give them a second just, to pull it up. Just um, keep going. I'll give you guys a little bit. Of, uh, our next matchup, number three, Ohio State. Traveling to number 14, Oklahoma, to Norman. Um, I'm rolling Ohio State, even though I do think that this team is much weaker than last year's and weaker even than two years ago. A lot of youth. Yeah, a lot of youth. Uh, i got to stick with the Buckeyes, though. A lot of youth. I feel like this game is closer than it probably should be. I do feel like Ohio State has the edge. Um, But, you know, the youth is going to show. They're in Norman. Uh, I don't know. Has Ohio State ever played at... Oklahoma, like, in uh, the recent history? No, not recent history. So, I I don't think those guys really know the can of worms that they're about to open. Uh, Norman is a very, very tough place to play, so yeah. uh, they're going to be, they're still probably, they probably got a chip on their shoulders still from that Houston loss, so. Yeah, uh, quick little update on the Notre Dame spread. They're actually opening up the week as seven and a half point favorites. Notre Dame is? Yep. Go on. I'm still going to take... State though, go state. Uh, I will never say go Irish, but um, I hate the Irish, but I need this pick them yeah. for my pride. <laughs> um, so I'm taking Ohio State. I don't think I actually said that, but yeah. I'm taking Ohio the State. Ohio, the no. Ohio State, um, just Ohio State. Yeah. One of my my favorite matchup of the week: number two Florida State at number ten Louisville. But this, will Lamar run for six or more this week again? No, I think he gets four. 
No. Four? I think you can get four or five. Uh, but, no, running, no, but I think combined. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I mean, total. I'm going to roll FSU. Uh, I liked what Francois was able to do um, against Ole Miss, and I liked Dalvin Cook, and I think that that Florida State defense really stepped up uh, against Ole Miss. I, 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 like, I think FSU's more a complete team. Both? I got nothing to say. I, don't, I'm just, I just like Lamar. Yo. Just rolling with Lamar. Uh, I feel like Lamar's going to get eaten alive no, by this defense. No, no, don't. Don't say that. Uh, I just said it. I don't um, know. I mean, sure, There's. I could do more research and do it, but I just... Florida, I mean, he hasn't, he's played Syracuse. Who was the first? Charlotte? The yeah, other two teams. Maybe. I don't so, know. I mean... We'll see. We'll really get to see how agile, mobile, and explosive that's he really not like, is. That's not like one or two steps up. That's like five. No, I You're going from Syracuse to Florida State. So you do 100 real quick. Yeah. Uh, so I'm taking Florida State. Uh, both of you got Louisville. Uh, the last matchup of our pickums, um, number one Alabama going to Ole Miss, who just came off that uh, – or didn't just come off, but they came off that week one loss against Florida State and then handled business against their cupcake team. Um, I think it's going to be a consensus Alabama until Ooh. Alabama shows any sign of weakness. Yep. We will never guess the game that – that Bama loses if they lose a game. Yeah, I, I think that's. I feel like it's going to seem accurate. Could and it when be they this week, when yeah. they finally lose, it's going to be like, well, there's no way they're losing two in a row. Yeah, exactly. So uh, roll tide. They just don't show any signs of weakness. So it's a consensus Alabama pick. Uh, we, we, what is the over under on the Lane Kiffin ass chewing this week? Uh, one. I don't know. But one by halftime. One one with less than two minutes left in the game. That, that, that's what I would put my money on. Nick Saban, absolutely ruthless. <laughs> the man knows what he wants. That dude would yell at a Starbucks barista and make them better. I like it. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, that's our show, and I think it was a good one, boys. It was a good one. We got extremely excited during that uh, two-minute two minute drill. Two we'll minute drill. try to make that a recurring. Yeah, we're yes. gonna we're gonna rough find that down and make it a gem. We're gonna do some do some back pats on that back pat ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this has been the Comebacks Podcast, episode five. Thank you for listening and have a good night. <laughs>